0: Welcome to episode 406 of Troubadours and Raconteurs with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's program, we feature a grand conversation with our resident Politico, Dwayne Heisler. We discuss President Biden's executive orders, opportunity years, Electing local officials, doing things so that you're not compulsively making things worse. Scarcity mentality, them and me, among other things. A grand conversation with Dwayne Heisler this week. We share some uh, compelling statistics, real, true statistics as compiled and published by Harper's Magazine for their September 2020 edition. We have an EW essay titled Ancient Flow and a poem called Goddess. All of this will be imbued and infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode four hundred and six of Troubadours and Rock Tours.
1: a blue sky we're gonna fly Phils
0: Flow. I light a cone of incense, purple, and kick the Buddha in the head. Sunshine is bright yellow and helps me celebrate the feast for these eyes of a clear winter morning in my head. A blanket of snow on the ground of the mountain side across the way. At the foot flows a creek whose persistence is ancient and so very important to the natural sway of these parts. Marquez is sleeping in his bed next to the radiator, mumbling inside his dreams. My love of this moment inspires happiness, which in turn strengthens the seams of these seemingly routine scenes of one person's existence on a planet, perhaps not alone, in the galaxy it calls home. My son asked me about the moon and how we can still see it in the daytime. It was full this morning, just hanging there still in the western sky, superb and sublime. We talked about a day on this earth. As we revolve on our axis, and also work our way around the sun star with that wondrous moon in tow. And again, in this moment, I feel free and poignant, reflecting on all and nothing simultaneously, realizing almost clear what there is to know. Heisler, is that you? Yes, this is
2: Dwayne Heisler. Good to see you, sort of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can picture you. Thanks for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours yet again. Uh, A member of the Executive Committee and chair of the PA State Democratic Committee. Campaign coordinator uh, for SEIU Healthcare PA. And that's a union. He's a union man, Dwayne is. That's right. Uh, and uh, he's also the, on several leadership teams uh, of organizations, progressive organizations, I should say, in NEPA. He's a progressive, he's a union man, and he's our resident politico, Dwayne Heisler. So nice to have you on the program, sir.
2: So glad to be here, shouting out from Northeast PA, NEPA. Um, and uh, boy, have we been busy.
0: Uh, you mean since the election of president biden and uh the the new senate and all that well well
2: yes and you know it's it's funny because i have colleagues and friends mostly friends who will say boy you must be relieved like you must have a lot of free time on your hands right now and how is that and no you know the the work never ends and, and nor nor should it because we're always Trying to to push for you know these things called human rights uh, all the time, and so that work that work never ends. Um, it, it's nice to be able to occasionally take a step back or step forward, which you need to do, or else you'll burn out. But um, if anything, after the election, the work got even more more intense. Um, you know, leading up to uh, what what happened on January sixth with the
0: insurrection. Attempted-
2: the insurrection, the attempt to take over our country, you know, that, all of that. Um, but then there's also the inauguration and things building up to that. And then there was day one
0: of Biden's administration, which was exciting, too. Oh, very exciting. It's it's nice to have a real, you know, uh, thinker and uh, a seasoned uh politician in in the best sense of the word uh and just a decent human being in, in the white house
2: what is that like i i'd almost forgotten what that was <laughs> honestly it's you know it, the bar has been so low now like if you think about it um but something you know you, you made me think about it like when when people were saying oh you must be like well this must be a relief you 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 know the the, the presidency was won, although in Pennsylvania, a lot of the down ballots were either split or we actually lost some ground in our state legislature. And so there's a lot of kind of deep diving on that and why that happened and how we can avoid that um, to make sure that everyone votes the whole ticket and not just for the president. And that's why I like to call these years um, uh, opportunity years, you, you know, um, these
0: years be before the midterm elections.
2: Yeah, these are opportunity years. These are the opportunity to actually elect people to our school boards, actually like like mayors and like local offices. And, and, you know, when you think about it, gosh, these offices are the ones that determine everything from when your trash gets picked up to what's being taught to your child in school. uh, are there potholes on your street? You know, like, uh, so um, these directly affect who how clean is the water we're drinking? I mean, it can get very serious, too, uh, very quickly. And, um, and you know, we often hear in, and I do a lot of work in the Latinx community, too, that the only time we hear from you is when you want our vote, that kind of thing, right? right. And, um, and the fact of the matter is, is that this work is continuing. These are important years. And so by calling them off years, it's terrible framing. It's like we have off and then we wonder why people don't understand that they're, yeah, there are two elections every year, you know, um, you know, the primary and the general every single year it happens. And so there's a lot of educational work that really needs to be done um, around um, uh, what these opportunity years look like, and I'm certainly an opportunity voter. Like I, I take that opportunity to make sure I'm, I'm electing the the local mayor, or that I'm making sure that we have um, the right people on the school board that's going to be helping to educate our youth, and 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 so forth. Um, I just, I just can't imagine. That's part of being a good citizen to me,
0: right? You want to make sure that someone who is a supporter of uh, QAnon is not in in uh, you know on your school board or or your your state uh, house or something
2: you can you have a you have a, an amazing ability to reduce to the ridiculous is there anyone out there there probably is but is there really anyone out there that wants conspiracy theory being taught at elementary schools so, i mean there maybe there's a maybe there's a market for that i don't know but not with my public tax dollars hell no That's no no
0: <laughs> no it's unhealthy you know it's not that, yeah. <laughs> the false equivalency that we give well everybody has an opinion everybody has a right to their uh, point of view no. no no if your point of view is crazy and based on lies and hate No, you you, you know, we're not going to look at that as being equal to someone who is just trying to understand different points of view. In in a healthy uh, sense, that's rooted in fact, you know. Yeah,
2: what could go wrong, right? Like having that <laughs> having that happen, but you know, it brings up an important point. So immediately after the election, I would say within a few weeks, I was on a call. It was an organizing call for doing some some uh, Latinx outreach. Uh, we were targeting specific uh, cities to kind of check in with folks and see where they're at, and um, which is an important part, I think, in just moving us forward. Um, I recently read Teal Bernie I would recommend it by Chuck Rocha who talked about how that engagement looked and of course the work by uh, Stacey Abrams with voter outreach and registration all that stuff these are important kind of um uh, landmarks there for moving uh, voter rights forward and making sure that voices are heard in our democracy, because that's what we need to be working on. You know, uh, the the arc of justice requires an arc of work. And um, and I think that like plugging into these things is important. So I was on this call. and um, And during the call, one of the young men spoke up and said, you know, We spent all this time electing Joe Biden. Like, we we worked and we voted and we did this and we did that. How come he's not doing anything? And, And this was in December, okay, like early December. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you serious? I'm like, you know what? Joe, you're going to start your job next week and I'm going to fire you now because yeah. you haven't done anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and like, but th- this is the narrative that you expect to come out. And and it's like, you know, th- uh, it was just beyond me that, that people were actually speaking in that way because of the lack of knowledge about how this process works. And, you know, and this is before we even knew whether we even had a possibility of, of having some kind of control over the Senate, right? right. So like, there there was just no... I mean, And so this just tells us that we have so much more work to do. And and one of the things I want to talk about today, if we have time, is maybe there's been so many executive orders that have happened. Um, But relatively, it's not really that many. I mean, most of the ones, especially on day one, there were 17 executive orders. And I want to say like 14 of them were just undoing bad things. And so it was just Biden
0: undoing Trump.
2: Basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly and um like something simple like joining the World Health Organization, like rejoining them during a pandemic. That just seems to me to be pretty much a no-brainer. Like, the virus doesn't care what country you're in, right? You know, and we have a habit of, like, looking at the the UK, you know, uh, mutation or the South African mutation or the Brazil mutation, the California one. But, but it's like the virus doesn't care about that stuff, and, and it is in our best interest to make sure that we, you know— it, get rid of this virus. Do whatever we can to protect ourselves, and we don't live in a bubble. The world is not a bubble. Like we, we need to work together to defeat this thing, or uh, or it's going to defeat us. And in, so far, we've done a great job of doing that to ourselves. Um, but so, so I, I would like to like you know one of the things I wanted to say you know like like on day one was hey. Joe, whoever and his name wasn't Joe, but Joe, look at this. Here's 17 things he did right on the very first day. And what do you think about these things? Um and I had another discussion too, which is interesting, talking about the 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 framing of the the moderate Democrats and is 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 Biden a moderate Democrat? I think anyone who gets into those discussions just really wants to divide. Like yes. like, what's the motive behind that stuff? Let's look at what he's actually doing. And do you consider like requiring on a federal level that everyone wear a mask? Is that moderate? Is that like progressive? Like like, where he can like on federal lands or in federal buildings or federal employees and contractors requiring a mask be worn? That, that seems like a pretty basic simple thing to do during a pandemic but will you describe that as progressive or or you know or or is that the standard like and, and if you want to if you want to call it the status quo democrat I'm, I'm fine with that like i think that's great you know that's what you want to call if that's how you want to label it is rejoining the world health organization considered a radical thing? Is that uh, are
0: that? these are these like questions that other Democrats are posing or Republicans are posing well, about Democrats? I
2: just wanna say that I don't know how you can talk about a politician being progressive or non progressive without actually looking at what they're doing and is that progressive or not? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but like, so what does that mean? And I think when it all boils down, I think we'll see that that what's the most important thing is actually like not
0: how we're talking about them, but what they're actually doing. Right. Are you walking the walk? Joe Biden, to me, right now, seems, in terms of what he says he's going to do, as being left to center, left of center, not moderate. Yeah. Now, that's at at so- least.
3: I-
2: I don't even like talking about moderates and centers. I think that's just like a fantasy way of us trying to like wrap our heads around it. Because when it comes down to bo- policy, I don't know, either you join the World Health Organization or you don't. What is the middle of that? Like, I so many of these things are are false choices and no middles. And, and so I wonder what that is. it a list of like doing half of that policy? Does that make you more moderate? And so I think it's a, and when you look at the electorate, I kind of feel the same way. I think there are, you know, there's your base and your advocates and there's your opposition. And you know, they have advocates and their base as well. And then everything else is persuadable. And who's gonna persuade them? Like, instead of thinking that it actually relates to policy, it really relates to like the overall uh, platform if you have one now let us remember the republican party had no platform last year under its fearless leader mm-hmm. um but you know like like it's, it's a combination of things and and where we can come together and when we can work together and improve and move forward when it comes to our uh democratic rights and our human rights and all the 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 shared values that we have you know well, like yeah. we all want a world where we can be healthy um, you know that seems like a shared value. Like I, like like, who's really moving that agenda forward? I think joining the World Health Organization might be a step in that direction, and requiring masks be worn. You know, according to scientists, you know, that probably is a good thing, and actually, it's reflected in our latest numbers
0: too. Well, yeah, but again, you go down to the crazy people that think wearing a mask is the devil's work or, you know, it's a suppression of your freedom. Uh, that That's not rational thinking, and, and that should be excised from the conversation, or at least, you know, why are you thinking that way? You could ask that question, but it seems you're not going to get a... Uh, a, a clear response it, it's just going to be you know i've seen that what's this, what's that guy's name he might be on the show actually jordan uh, klepper kleppner i should say his name right if i want him on the show he, he works for um uh comedy central the daily show and he goes around to trump rallies and he asks people oh yes if, if you know i'm talking about yeah
2: very entertaining very entertaining and
0: they, their reasoning is is so narrow and circular it's it, they really make no sense
2: well, I don't know. For people who say like that, it doesn't work or it can't be done. You know, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. You know, it's like like I, I, I believe in I think it's an old Chinese proverb that those people who say it can't be done should never stand in the way of those people doing it. Right. Right. And I think that, and so when looking at doing it, like the first executive order was the wearing of masks. The second one was re, which was undoing Trump's, uh, you know, exit from the World Health Organization, was to rejoin the health organization. And instead of like being aloof, but his third executive order was actually setting up uh, a COVID office that reports directly to Biden. So he's like bottom lining this stuff. He is deeply involved. And that reverses Trump's order. That was executive order. Number three, number four, which I think was incredible, was extending the foreclosure and the eviction moratoriums because so many people were in jeopardy and and actually had lost their homes. They were being evicted during a pandemic. You know, my favorite fortune cookie, I know I've shared this with you before, is um, uh, to do not compulsively make things worse hmm. That's my favorite fortune cookie of all time. My friend Jennifer, she has it hanging up on her wall. She framed it, um, which is really kind of fun. I love that fortune cookie. The keyword is compulsive because we can't seem to help ourselves. Well, this is exactly the opposite. Like during a pandemic, is it a good idea for people to be losing their homes because they've lost their jobs? Right. Like, not a good
0: thing and their health care on top of it too
2: yeah their health care and all that let's just you know let's just completely why is there unrest in the united states i don't know you know like how can we make the pandemic worse so he actually took a step here joe biden did with executive order number four let's extend this moratorium let's give them a little bit more time to pay the rent right or the uh you know let's let's see what we can do and um so um you know i think that makes it and the same thing with this with the freeze on student loan debt yeah So I have a thing about student loan debt like big time. If we can afford to like extend loans to large corporations at like zero interest or next to nothing, why the hell are we putting this burden on our children or people who are going to school to try and improve themselves and actually add more to our economy? Let's bury them in debt so they never get to do anything and they have to go home after they earn their degree and live with their parents because they can't afford to be out on their own because of this crushing student debt, right? I, I think we ought to walk our talk there, and at least someone, uh, Joe Biden, had the sense of let's at least put a freeze on the debt. Like, let's not compulsively make the pandemic worse. Let's not put an additional burden on students who have crushing student loan debt. You know, and um, and let's let's freeze let's freeze some of the, the some of that going on there.
0: I so, love it. I love that.
2: Yeah, Doesn't this sound great? And so, but people don't know that this has already happened on day one, on day one. And I'm only up to number five. There's 17 of these things, right? It was so easy because it was lined up. You know, we all have, have begun to come to terms with the fact that our climate is, you know, something that we can actually have an impact on that is actually not in a good place right now when you actually talk to scientists and people who know this stuff. And so... You know, Trump was kind of like, well, we don't really need this. We should America first. Let's pull out of the Paris Climate Accords, which almost every single nation on this planet is a part of and is a commitment to the idea of battling climate change. Right. Right. So on day one, guess what? We're back in. We have an opportunity to show leadership here. And in the process, maybe create some wonderful, great, clean, green jobs. Right? I mean, I'm so tired of people telling us we can't do something and giving us the false choice of you can either breathe or be unemployed. That's bullshit. And the only reason that's being said is because the people saying it The handful of politicians and and the large corporations who support them are doing it to divide us on this choice between breathing and having a job. And while they're doing that, while they're dividing us, they have their hands in our pockets making all the profits from a dirty economy. I'm tired of that kind of narrative. It doesn't apply. And I'm so glad that we have rejoined the Paris Climate Accords.
0: (laughs) You're pumped. I love it.
2: (laughs) Well, seriously. I mean, you can just go down the list. So that was number six, right? (laughs) I I probably shouldn't. I mean, we don't have enough time to go into them. But I mean, there's other things here, too, like the whole idea of, you know, stopping, you know, and this is related to the environment as well, the Keystone, you know, XL pipeline and canceling what Trump had done around that and revoking that that permit there was the 1776 commission this is executive order number 8 which basically com- uh, created this commission that was in charge of making sure that in that the curriculum in US schools was actually conservative history so hmm. we, we, want, we want to make sure that we have conservative history and that is what is taught in our schools. Um, I mean, the report that they put out on MLK Day of all days, like contains so many inaccuracies and policies that were just paragraphs that were just lifted from actual published works. Like like there was, I I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Like let's, let's indoctrin- indoctrinate I'm not even saying the word right. I'm like apoplectic, I guess. The 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 conservative worldview as the view of history when teaching our children—that was what this this group was set up to scary, do. Scary, right? scary stuff. Yeah, and and it was supposed to like like um, like I don't know. There was and there, they did a deep dive on any kind of form of like race or sex stereotyping, right. and you know, like it was nasty. So that's that's gone. Good, thank goodness that's gone. Um, unwinding of Trump's changes to the census. You know, all the things there, like... Do you think it might be a good idea to actually count the number of people that are using the roads and using the bridges and that need an education that like need health care in a region, regardless of whether they're a citizen or not, because that's strain on our infrastructure? Like maybe we should actually count everyone.
0: No, they want to starve the beast. You don't have the numbers, then you can't. It's harder to justify spending the, the money. So, you know,
2: yeah, let's create the downward spiral of our economy and our infrastructure by just not counting anyone and let's starve it. From funding and then and then point to government as the problem right for not funding it right right, right. Like, uh, yeah it, and, and who does that serve so you it always comes back to who who is doing this like who is proposing this why are they proposing it like to divide us once again and and because they make money doing it
0: and right? I, yeah i think it's it's largely largely they make money doing it but I, but i also think there are just some weird uh, obsessive uh, mentalities, like a Grover Norquist who just believes, you know, uh, without much thought, that you shouldn't have taxes, you know, uh, and and there's no, and they'll do anything to to make sure politicians. Uh, try to limit the amount of taxation on on society, and you cannot have a functioning society without money coming from the people to fund important infrastructure projects and institutions. But some of these people just they they're like obsessives, you know. They they have this obsessive need to 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 have the, the, this very myopic uh, mission uh, fulfilled. It's not rational, again.
2: Yeah, I I think, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I I think part of that, you know, from, from what I can see is that it, I think a lot of it is based in a scarcity mentality, that there's only so much to go around. And, and if, if, uh, and I'm you. I've been left behind. You have forgotten about me. Government has failed me. And um, and I'm not getting what I deserve, like because I'm the privileged white person in the room. I'm not getting what I deserve because there's a them. There's another. There's another person. There's the black and brown person over there who doesn't deserve any of this, who is not a hard worker. It's it's that whole narrative that I can't have because there's a them and they're the ones that are standing in the way of me and, and what I deserve out of this country. And it, it shows its head in so many different ways. You know, I hear it all the time here in Pennsylvania. I don't want my tax dollars going to Philadelphia schools. Like, what are they actually saying? Are they talking about the little white boys and girls who are going to school in Philadelphia? I think not, right? Right. Like, that's not what we're talking about. And it becomes, like, so hidden and beneath the skin that so much of this is driven by our division of race. And if, if this year has taught us anything, is that, like, hiding that on some kind of, like like uh, some kind of like economic uh, populism program like, well, if we just talked about jobs and if we just talked about, you know, like we're missing the boat because if we all have jobs, we'll all do well and just let's ignore race is not the answer to this. Like, so much of this is wrapped around it. And so when you look at something like the census, that's wrapped in racism. Or you look at the next one, the executive order number 10, which was to strengthen the legal protection behind the Dreamers, remember them? Yeah. And the first act of right? right? All of that, so that's what he undid. He undid all of that, too. Another example of racism. And the next one, number 11, abolishing the Muslim ban. Well, you know, like, so much of this is rooted in that. When you actually look at it, um, you, it, it just it just pours right out
0: of it. It's based on I mean, prejudice, and it's based on classism.
2: Yeah, and religious things, and xenophobia, and, you know, uh, homophobia. I mean, because there's something around that. I mean, it's just every—it's it, all this fear— and somehow being left out or left behind, and which is like reeks of privilege um,
0: to me. And, and so. you know, I don't, to me, that uh, I'm going to say two things that is America, but I don't want it to be America. You yeah. know, that does exist in America, that mentality. I mean, 70 plus million people backed that guy up. He lost, thankfully, because about 80 million said no. But that is America that that prejudice that classist mentality that xenophobia that homophobia
2: you know i had a conversation with my um my previous business partner for a business i was in and he was like boy things are crazy he was talking about the the january 6th attempt to take over our country um january 6th and um uh he was saying i can't believe this is happening how like i can't believe this is happening in america and i was just like are you kidding me like do you, you don't really understand America right now. Like, how can you, like, this is what I've been working on. This is what so many of us have been working on for years. This was not something that was unexpected by any way. And if it was unexpected to you, you haven't been paying attention. You have not been paying attention in any way, shape or form. Hold up the mirror. This is the United States of America and you're seeing it in real time during a pandemic and with everything that's happening politically in our country. Yes, we are racist. Right there, shows it. Yes, we do believe in conspiracies. Yes, like we, we, we lack some of the basic um, education that's necessary to keep a democracy healthy. Like, mm. absolutely, and, and, and it plays out. And, and I think things like budgets and executive orders show us where our priorities really are. And that's what has me so excited about these 17 executive orders on day one, because this is showing in a real way what the priorities are in this administration. Now, with all of these, there's also the call that Biden has made to the Congress to say we need laws around these things. Like the only reason there's executive orders around these things is because these things aren't the law right now. Right. And they need to be. And this needs to be something that's pushed for. But in the meantime, I'm going to show you where my priorities are. I'm going to address these things and get us going in the right direction.
0: I love it. I love it. We're talking to Duane, or with, I shouldn't say to, talking with Dwayne Heisler, our resident politico here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And uh, we're, we're getting toward the end of uh, another conversation, Dwayne. So...
2: It goes so fast. How does it go so fast? So- <laughs> uh,
0: there's so much to talk about, and you have great energy. That's why. Um, well,
2: what I'd like to do maybe is just kind of rip through what what else happened here, just so people have a good picture of what happened on day one with those 17. But I would certainly be amiss if I didn't mention something about healthcare in this moment, and um, you know, working with SEIU Healthcare PA, um, and uh, and because it really ties to the very first uh, amendment, you know, our first executive order that was there. So um, <clears throat> just to kind of roll down the list, so order number 12 was about basically canceling, once again, undoing the Trump administration's uh, interior enforcement, the uh, administration's interior enforcement. And this had to do with detaining and deporting people at the border. And and, and there was also the halt to the construction of the the wall that Mexico was going to pay for. Remember that, mm-hmm. um, number 13. 14th was uh, uh, deporting Protections for Liberians. We were singling out in certain, you know, countries, uh, banning workplace discrimination against LGBT employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, putting them back under the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So there was that. There was um, uh, an ethics pledge in all branches of of the executive of, of uh, executive branch uh, officials.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Isn't that remarkable? And by the way, that wasn't something that the Trump, it's kind of undoing the Trump administration, but there wasn't an executive order for them to act unethically. They just did it. (laughs) So this is actually the opposite, which I find kind of funny maybe it, is. it really isn't funny so and then unfreezing any of the other bad stuff because when trump was leaving the place um he was trying to burn it down too and there were all these midnight regulations and he just says you know a freeze on everything else you know like and then and some of those he's addressed like in the in the upcoming you know with the because we're over 30 of them right now but um that's what he did so all of those people who were concerned about whether Biden was going to do anything or not? I think you can just start with day one, and then maybe go to day two and day three and actually look it up because it's there, and he's leading the agenda on that. So, um, very, very pleased with with that initial jump start on those things. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I love it. I, I, I'm really happy that you gave us a, a little perspective and focus uh, about where we're going with uh, uh, a native son. You know, we, both of us have connections to Northeastern Pennsylvania. This show is aired all over the world. But uh, let's, let's hold up uh, the fact that President Biden is is from uh, our neck of the woods. He's learned a a bit of what uh, he's thinking from his time as a working class kid in, in Northeastern Pennsylvania, and I'm proud to say it.
2: Yeah, so when he was still in the primary, and I think I told you about this before, maybe it was on another episode, I actually had the opportunity to pick him up at the airport. I was his driver and uh, got to meet him, go drive out on a tarmac. You don't often get to do that. And then um, later on, I took him to a function where he was, because it was during the primary where he was meeting with um, some Democratic officials for the primary and, and things like that, took him to that event and then on the drive home got to talk with him about what was happening with healthcare workers up in Scranton and um, we were really concerned about the health of that hospital. And the very next day he did a video um, and he uh, issued a tweet and made a statement about supporting the workers, the frontline workers at Scranton, at Regional Hospital in Scranton, um, which really helped us to set the agenda for making sure we have quality health care uh, out of that facility, and Moses Taylor as well, uh, in the city of Scranton. And, and um, he actually gave me a tray of chocolate chip cookies um, oh. <laughs> as we were getting out of there. It was a rainy day, and he hands me these, and he goes, you know what, these are just going to sit here, take these, Wayne." And so, It was a really weird thing. I was holding the keys to his car. I had a tray of chocolate chip cookies in the rain He didn't make a commitment to me at that point that he was going to do the video or make the call for action for the workers and I was like what the hell just happened like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, should I throw these keys in the river be, and then I ate a chocolate chip cookie I'm like damn he's right these are really good and, um, <laughs> and so and I got a flat tire on the way home and and I lost my icy my seiU pin it was a, it was a weird day but the next day it was all good because he actually did something and so he's someone who gets things done and who does things and um, so there's that little story I guess there
0: excellent uh, story I love it
2: yeah, it was funny. So I actually got chocolate chip cookies from from President Biden. Amazing. And uh and but the real story there is how he stood up for the workers and for the city of Scranton and for the idea of raising health care in our community.
0: Well said. Dwayne Heisler, it's always a pleasure to have you on Troubadours and Rock on tours. Uh, keep doing the great work you're doing and I look forward to talking with you in a couple of months.
2: Sounds like a plan. Stay safe.
4: We're moving out moving in Gotta break the news to all my friends But they won't care They'll just find another face To fall behind take my place run way past second base And just stand there And dream sick on a summer night In a folding lawn chair The witches ring Right by me Mama curling up beside me Crying to herself Why can't daddy just come home Forget whatever he did wrong He's in a hotel all alone And we need help A dreamsicle on a summer night In a folding lawn chair I'm still packing up my room New sneakers on Say everything's gonna be okay Then come see me A dream sickle on a summer night
0: some actual statistics from Harper's Magazine. It's Harper's Index from the September 2020 edition. Again, these are actual statistics. Minimum amount the U.S. government spent funding anti-Hugo Chavez rock songs while he led Venezuela, $22,970. Rank of 2019 among years with the highest worldwide spending on nuclear weapons, 1. Percentage by which the United States spent more than the second highest spender, 70% more. Number of National Guard members on active duty in the United States on June 1, 2020, 66,700 on active duty abroad on the same day, 28,300. Minimum number of cities in which the Department of Homeland Security has used aerial surveillance at protests this past year, 15 cities. Minimum hours of surveillance footage that it has logged, 270 hours at minimum. Number of police departments in the 20 largest U.S. cities whose use of force policies meet U.N. human rights standards. None of them. Zero. Total value of surplus military equipment distributed to U.S. police departments under the Trump administration. $964,962,803. Of extreme cold-weather parkas distributed to the LAPD, $27,161. Minimum number of police killings since 2010 in which restrained victims told officers they couldn't breathe, 32. Number of those incidents that resulted in criminal charges against the officers, 5. Number of those cases in which charges were not eventually dropped, two. Percentage of time on duty that U.S. police officers devote to violent crime, four percent. To non-criminal complaints, 35 percent. Actual statistics about those.
1: Rising from the ashes And I'm standing there No matter what comes at me I'm gonna break these chains I will remain Unchained and my heart is free I'm still the man I was born to be oh, Nothing's ever gonna hold me
0: goddess while he speaks benevolence she seeks something more than happenstance and the glory of goodness inspires that goddess into a love-lorn lullaby watching him again try to touch earnestly the clouds in a light blue moving sky
3: In my wildest dreams Oh, I never have seen Such a sky leaving today for the gardens of Spain gonna find my own far away one more walk in the shade my own stomping grounds shadows purple and Falling On the Empire State
0: Episode 406 of Troubadours and Raconteurs with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Dwayne Heisler, Harper's Magazine, and these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, The Black Pumas, The New York Dolls, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, Antonio Vivaldi, Devon Gilfillian, Grant Lee Phillips and Josh Rouse, as well as Brantford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.